Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for those that you have brought in this morning. I'd ask, Lord, that you would get rid of anything in my mind that I had planned to say that's not in line with your word. Anoint me, Heavenly Father, to be able to give the exact message to the people who need it. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, there's two concepts that um, I've had to read several times in order to figure out what the heck it was talking about in the Jewish uh, culture. First of all, if we were in Israel and all of you were Jewish people, when I said something that you would have a question about, you would just interrupt me. They have an exchange. It's an open exchange. They yell from the crowd. They believe that if I am teaching something and you have a different interpretation of it, it's your moral and spiritual responsibility to ask me a question to see if I can defend what I'm teaching or if you need to modify what you're believing as well. Now, that makes for some very interesting services. And how many of you remember uh, Joseph Shulam, our dear brother in Israel? Okay, when Joseph first came to the United States and he would preach um, or be in the the, uh, audience when Pastor Larry was teaching and he would yell, that's not what that verse means. You know, it's like, okay, Joseph, Rabbi, please, we don't do that here. Because his, his whole orientation was that if I'm teaching, I need to really know what I'm talking about. And if you have a different interpretation, then it's your moral responsibility to interrupt me. Now, that's just kind of a backdrop for where we're headed. I'm not saying that you can start yelling at Pastor Larry or me this morning, but that is their culture. The other part of their culture is that family is very important. Because as they were moving through the country and populating it, does anybody know how many families God said once they reached that number of families, they had to have a school and a synagogue? Anybody know that number? A hundred. Once you reached a hundred families. Oh, I love that blue top. You're going to have to live with me because I'm, I'm a clothes fashionista. And when somebody walks in wearing something that I like, it's like, ooh, I like that top. So she's got a great blue top on. Um, So once you had 100 families, then it was your moral responsibility to start a school and to start a synagogue. Now, that was God's way of saying we need to be in community. We need to make sure that everyone is taken care of. When he talks about feeding the widows and the orphans, he's serious about that. And he doesn't mean, back then, he doesn't mean that you would send money. He means that you would invite them over on Shabbat. You'd send food home with them. You would take care of them. There are a number of organizations in Israel where children without fathers or without mothers are paired up. And they have a place to go for recreation, for fun. And once again, the community comes together to take care of the child. Now, that community operates by a code of ethics. So it's not the kind of community that Hillary Clinton was talking about when she said it takes a village. (laughs) I don't trust all the village. (laughs) I started to say a bad word. Hi, Belle. Good morning. I don't trust all the village participants um, that she might be talking about. But I do know that God intends for us to have multi-generations as we gather together. So saying that... One of the teachings this past week from Torah 
was that it's okay for us to have a home, a nice home, and to have things. And it's okay for us to have celebrations and parties with our family. But it's also our responsibility to open up our home to invite people in. Now, when they started recording these, I had to be very careful about the personal stories that I told. And I kind of ran this through my mind this morning, and it's like, yeah, I guess I have to tell that one. When we were in Portland and uh, we, we started going to Pastor Larry's church, we, they were doing the um, life groups, and it was a, a major part of the church. And so everybody that was in any position of leadership was encouraged to have a life group. Well, Don and I had a house um, that we, we call it the big house because, you know, in your lifetime you build up and then you start downsizing. So it was built on the side of a hill, and it was four levels, and it had very, very light camel, almost yellow carpet. The guys are going so, and all the girls are going, ah. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll open my home, but I got this carpet. And as I sat under Pastor Larry and and Tiz's uh, teaching, it was like, wait a second. I have the authority to speak to the atmosphere in my home. And I'm sure other people were praying things like, you know, Heavenly Father, let your spirit be here. And thank you, Father, for the souls that you're bringing. And give me the right words to nurture them and bless them. But I was in my living room looking down at my carpet going, Father, thank you that you are putting angels over this carpet. And there won't be any coffee spilled and no one's going to mess it up. And for the entire time that we were in that home, and it probably was about four five years that we had a home church and just kept growing and growing and growing. So we were in the living room, we were in the dining room, and we were in the family room, all this big L. Uh, Nothing ever got spilled. So I share that to say, as I go ahead and talk about opening your home, angels can be dispatched to protect your carpet. Okay, moving on. And you don't have to edit that out. Um, We opened up our home, and then I was, was understanding that I not only had to make sure that it was clean, that there was toilet paper where it was supposed to be and that the bathroom smelled decent, maybe had a candle burning or something. But I had to be responsible for the atmosphere in my home because I didn't know where the people who were coming into my home had been. And not that they were bad, not that they were evil. I just didn't know who they'd work with today, who they'd help today. So I had to not only protect my beautiful light carpet, but I had to pray over the door that they were entering in that any spirit that was not from the Holy Spirit from my God would be stopped at that door. There was a manifestation of healing and deliverance that took place in that life group. And um, I was always very careful to stay under the covering of Pastor Larry and Tiz. But we had a number of people that would visit because they had someone who was sick or someone that needed deliverance. And um, that's why when Don and I moved to Texas, the people that we pastored in Portland set up the conference call every Wednesday. And there's a, I think there's a card on the table as you go out. Every Wednesday I do a teaching, and it's really short now. It used to be really long when we weren't in, in Texas. Um, but I do a teaching so that I can keep in touch and keep feeding them. Um, God shows me things in life. I mean, it's like I'll be walking down and I'll see something, and I'll say, that's a teachable example. So I take that as a responsibility and a privilege to be able to share with anybody who shows up to listen. So Wednesday is the conference call. When that started, and I was trying to figure out how to blend our Jewish biblical teachings into what I was teaching, then God showed me that there's nothing, nothing that isn't grounded in our biblical roots. We just have different names for it. We have different ideas about it. But if you look, it all goes back to God's teaching. 
So the principle was God wants you to have a home. He wants you to have nice things, but he also wants you to open up your home and share them. And you're saying, well, you don't understand. I'm in a studio apartment. I can't possibly do that. Well, God has provided the way. You have a breakfast. You have a coffee. (laughs) There was a season when the uh, men's breakfasts were very, very active uh, when we're still in the Irving building that um, the guys that came to the breakfast, I got in touch with their wives and say, why don't you come with them too? And so the men would be at one table and the women would be another table and we would talk, we would share with each other, we would pray for each other. And that was kind of, um, I think the buzzword now is that was my tribe so that I would check on them every single Sunday, make sure that they were here and they knew they had someone that they could contact for prayer if they needed it. They could contact me if they had a question. I have a neighbor who's in trouble. What, who do I call? What do I do? So all this to say the ministry that Pastor Wanderson and Pabliana are heading up, life groups, it really is an important piece of our biblical roots. And it doesn't mean that you have to worry about your carpet. It means that have an open heart to see, okay, who do I like around here? And who would I like to meet for lunch or coffee? And then find out how you can connect with those people so that you can have relationship. Now, a lot of you are already doing that. A lot of you have been doing it for a long time. But others haven't realized that it's not a ministry that they do. It's a ministry that God has asked us to do. Which takes me to the second lesson. In the Old Testament, when it talked about people having leprosy, you know, they would have done something and they would have leprosy and they'd be kicked out of the camp. You remember reading those stories? It's translated leprosy, but it really wasn't. It's a disease that we are not familiar with. And the biblical teaching in books of wisdom is that the breath of God that Pastor Larry teaches about We have the breath of God. That is a piece of God. And that everyone who is born has a piece of God inside of them. When we accept Jesus as the boss of our life, because, you know, Lord and Savior sometimes just kind of swallows real fast and you don't realize he's the head. He's the boss. He's the one that's going to talk to us. And he's the door that opens up for us to go in and have the super boss (laughs) and be in relationship with him. So, I'm holding some of God inside of me, which brings life. Now, this goes on the spectrum of red to white. I'll explain it. When we moved to Texas, we were absolutely amazed to find out that Texans are real serious about football. Now, I understood Dallas Cowboys. That was one team that I always knew, and I knew the blue, and I knew the star. But I didn't realize that they were so college nuts, High school nuts. I mean, I have to tell you, some of your high school stadiums are better than our college stadiums and we're in Oregon. Uh, everybody is into football, and it's not just a matter of, you know, signing up and sending them out. I mean, you're buying special helmets if you're real serious about the game. John Wilson's boys, the oldest two, um, both have college scholarships. And by the way, just a side note, he told both of them when they were, they were very little that if they got a college scholarship, he would buy them a truck. Now, for those of you that are good at math, that was a good deal for John. But the little boys, not understanding necessarily all the expenses associated with college, worked really hard to keep their grades up and to play football and get a scholarship. So his older two boys have college scholarships, and they both have trucks. I can't imagine what his house looks like because you've got Lacey's car and John's car and the two trucks, and then he's got another rig that John has himself when he goes out hunting. So I'm sure he has a big garage. Um, Anyway... 
You're serious about football. And so when you go to the games, you're yelling and you're screaming and you're jumping up and down and you're excited and your face goes red because there's life in there. There's intensity. And then through the week, we come to church and it's almost like, okay, I need to be refreshed. And so I'm just going to sit. <laughs> and you always hear, you know, Pastor Brandon say, you know, raise your hands or whatever. Or stand with me as we worship. What you're doing actually, according to the biblical example, is that you are being enthusiastic about God. And to just sit and ho-hum, you're losing some of your godness. That doesn't mean that he's abandoning you. It means that it's leaking out. When you're fully engaged and, and red hot and rolling, <laughs> then God is secure inside of you. You don't, you don't leak. But when you're over here and you're not so excited, then the paleness comes and we leak. So you say, well, what does this have to do with leprosy? Well, in biblical times, God was really present with his people and he was trying desperately to teach them the appropriate way to live life. And the two things that he said would cause them more stress than anything else was the evil tongue, gossip, words, and being stingy. And biblical history tells us that if you have a beautiful home and beautiful children and beautiful dishes and beautiful food, but you close your gate and you eat by yourself, you're being stingy. Now, what if we just come through that the world did to us as we wanted to be with people? What happened? We were stuck in our houses, weren't we? <laughs> and for a lot of us who wanted to go out and do something, it terrified people around us. They would be mad. I mean, when the mask mandate stopped, it was like people would, you know, give me an evil eye. And it's like, you know, where's your mask? Uh, at home. <laughs> and... It became almost a life-death issue around scientific data that really was not scientific data. So it shows us how easily we can be moved off of our position, our belief, our, our love of God into something that is off base. And I don't know how we developed it, but somewhere from the time when I was in grade school and when I got to high school, it became the thing to rank on people. It became the thing to be, mm, that, that dress is too short. It became the thing to, they're driving too fast. It became the thing, they're not lifting their hands in church. And it's bad enough to think it, but oftentimes we let it fall through our lips to where we're saying it. That white disease that it talks about in the Old Testament was someone that had spoken ill of someone else. And if they saw a lesion, you can go back and read the story. If they saw a lesion, they had to go to a priest. Why? We hide our stuff. I mean, even if, if you're fighting all the way to church, when you walk through the church doors, you got your churchy face on. We hide our stuff. It's just human nature. So God put a, something in place that said, okay, if I see a white spot, then I have to go to the priest and show it to them. And they weren't looking at the white spot. They were praying and discerning, what did I said? 
And if it wasn't too bad, then they told me I had to go outside the camp. Do you remember that story? I had to go outside the camp. And God designed that so that I, after I had said something negative and gossiped and judgmental, then I could sit there for seven days and, okay, Lord, yeah, you're right. That was was bad. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And then my white disease would go away. And then I would go back and the priest would say yes. But what if I'd gone out there to, you know, I'm sick and tired of these rules in the church. I mean, they try to tell me how to dress. They want me to be here on time. Now they even want me to come to a stupid class before church. If that's your attitude where you were out there for seven days, when you came back, you'd have more. And then you were almost excommunicated. Why? Because the two things that God valued so much and what he wanted his people to understand the importance of was your words and your generosity, what you speak and who you interact with, what you say and what you do. It's even more important than some of the big sins that we talk about. (laughs) We can always figure out when somebody is drunk in in an accident or arrested for drugs or something like that. And yet God doesn't mention all that as number one when he talks about sin. That's the ouch point. Yeah. He talks about your words. In biblical history time, if I even said something in my home that was evil, then I might get a lesion. How many of you remember when you were growing up uh, being told that you have a conscience and that conscience has lots of little uh, feelers on it, but every time that you do something and ignore your conscience, it loses its feelers? I mean, that was kind of the, the little story that I got when I was growing up. So it was like, okay, if I'm about to do something wrong and my conscience tells me not to do it, I'd better not do it. Because if I do it, then I'm going to lose that ability to understand. It's a very simplistic example, but it's very biblical. The Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us, and he will tell us when we're about to do something wrong. Or he'll tell us to do something. And if we don't listen, then we've missed an opportunity We kind of go from bright red to a lesser shade. Sometimes the instructions that we get from God don't make any sense at all. And they have, they seem to have no repercussion. Nothing good came out of it. It has nothing to do with the results or you. It has to do with obedience. I can remember a teacher one time was talking about um, in in Portland, one of the pastors, and she said that God had told her to go outside and check the lights on her car. And um, she's thinking, you know, I know they're off. They're they're fine. And he said, go check the lights in, in your car in the garage. And so she opened the door and looked, and sure enough, the lights were out, and she shut the door, and she goes, and what was that about? And God spoke literally to her spirit, obedience. You see, sometimes God will tell us to do something, And it makes no sense, and we see no results, and it doesn't even look like there was an issue. But it's about obedience. Now, praise God, I've never been in the military. Have any of you guys been in the military? Boot camp is the time where they make sure that you're going to be obedient. Because your life and your team's life depends on you doing exactly what somebody tells you to do. Uh, In corporate, I was in banking that talk about that a lot. We loved hiring men that were just out of the military because they were so disciplined. Oh my gosh. And they wanted to know the rules and they wanted to know who they reported to and they did their job because they didn't have any philosophical idea that I'm privileged. (laughs) They did their job. That's kind of what God wants of us. 
He wants us to do the things that we know to do, not because we're earning salvation. Praise God, salvation is a freedom that we make a choice to accept. That's all we have to do. That's all we have to do. And if anybody's ever talking to you about that, you know, oh, you need to be baptized. Blah, blah, blah. Go back to the cross and the thief. <laughs> and he just said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He had zero theology. Never baptized. Never brought anybody to the Lord. Didn't even do a mitzvah. But that day he was with Jesus in paradise. So salvation is one thing, but that's just the first step. I don't think Pastor Larry teaches this, so don't say, thus saith New Beginnings Church. But just kind of noodle around in your brain on this for a while. For those of you that do a lot of Bible reading, where is it in the Bible where it says someone should say a sinner's prayer? Yeah, Belle's going, oh, Lord, she's going to talk about this. (laughs) It does say, confess me before man. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to say a sinner's prayer and be saved. God tells us to make disciples. And how do we make disciples? By opening our home, by meeting someone for lunch, by staying in touch with them. God made it real simple for this generation. We can text people. There's a lot that can be said with a text message, and you can figure out if somebody is on the edge and needs help or or what. So God gave us platforms for us to keep in touch with people. And in all honesty, I think Satan puts it in our brain, you know, well, they, don't, they won't like me anyway. We always like people who are excited to see us. I mean, if I walk into a room, I, you've been gone for a while. And you walked into the room where all this, yay, you're back, you're back. She was in another country. That makes us feel good. We like that. So find people that you like and then be excited when you see them. I think Belle was in the church when Don and I first moved here because she was singing on stage in, in uh, the Irving building. And I always love seeing Belle. It's always you know, fun for me. And she brings her uh, dad in, a sweet little man, and introduces me to him. And I'm excited about that. And I get excited with Belle. Belle and I don't lunch. We don't breakfast. But we are connected. And Belle knows that if she needed anything, she could call me. Now, she's the kind of Christian woman that she's got a lot of friends, so she doesn't need to to connect with me. But if she ever wanted to, my door is open to Belle. My door is open. (laughs) So God is saying, when 100 families are here, you need to have a school and a church. When you have a home or when you have an ability to meet somebody, you need to reach out and, and create a tribe. Watch what falls out of your mouth. I confess all the time, my battle right now is in my brain, you know, because I always think of clever things I could have said. So I rebuke that. As soon as that starts to come into my brain, then I take hold of it because it doesn't line up with the word of God. And I rebuke it and I say that out loud. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are renewing my mind. I, I give you, I give you my mind. And for a lot of you in the room this morning that have come early, that's where your battle is too. When you open up your home or when you meet somebody for lunch, be sure you're prayed up. And we don't have to hunt for demons. That's not the, that's not the issue. The issue is that we need to be covered with the Holy Spirit. We need to be covered with the blood of Jesus. When God tells us to put on the armor of God, he's, he's serious. 
And you'll find a lot of people that, you know, say, well, it doesn't matter the order. I just start at the top and go to the bottom. Like, you know, try not to hit them or make them wrong, but just ask God to reveal to them the truth of the matter. Because nothing works unless you've got that belt of truth, who God is and who you are in God. And then why do you think the breast of, of right, breastplate of righteousness is next? Yeah, our hearts. Guards, we've got to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But righteousness is what opens up the door for me to go into heaven and talk to my heavenly father. Because on my own, I would have been hit by a bolt of lightning a long time ago. <laughs> but there's another underbelly to that breastplate of righteousness. We know that righteousness are acts of kindness. And so when I put on the armor, I ask God, you know, guard my heart, my mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid with my heavenly father. But Lord, show me today where I can do an act of kindness. Now we know that's a mitzvah, but show me, let me be righteous with your people. And what comes next? The shoes, love shoes. But when I started praying that prayer with the Holy Spirit, it was like these, these um, tall things that almost had like locks that went all the way up. And I realized, oh, these aren't just shoes. These are like boots. And I can go through the world and the world can't touch me. Not because of me, but because I've got on the blood of Jesus. And any demon, any demonic spirit that sees the blood of Jesus runs. So I can go through the world. When I was getting my healing from cancer uh, so many years ago, a number of the um, processes, procedures, or whatever were in the New Age community rather than the medical community. And I had a lot of people in, in my church. They meant well. I bless them. I love them. That You know, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't do that. It's like... I got the blood of Jesus on me. I can walk in and that demon has to flee. I can walk in and buy what I need and walk out and sanctify it as I'm walking down the, the street before I take it because it wasn't available anywhere else. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid when I'm out in areas at night. I don't go there. I mean, I'm not stupid about it, but I also don't have to be afraid. You, you've all heard the story about the lady by herself and the guys are walking behind her and, and she's nervous and so forth and she gets to where she's going and she finally runs into one of these thugs at one time and she says, how, I was walking, how come? He said, oh, did you have those, all those guys with you? I mean, God will put things that the, the demonic sees to protect you. So, we've got two minutes left and then we're going to pray. You're home. The atmosphere in your home, the atmosphere in your car, the atmosphere in everything that you do. And then ask the Lord to reveal to you the next issue that he wants you to look at. He never dumps a potload on us. Never. But what he does is just very gently he'll bring up one thing after another. And remember, there's no condemnation from God. If you start getting any condemnation, you rebuke that because that's, that's the devil. But what you do do is say, Father, show me. When I first discovered how God corrects us, I was confessing something that I thought was sin, and God explained to me that that was discernment because I was listening to some messages, and I was getting really angry because I was driving quite a distance, and I used that to listen to Christian radio, and I got really angry, and God said, you know, I'm sorry I'm so angry. You know, I confess this sin of, this sin of anger, blah, blah, blah. and he said, where, where did I say that was a sin? Well, he's saying this, this, and this. And he said, yeah. And you're reacting with what we call discernment. It's like, get out. You're kidding. 
He said, I want you to listen. Not everything that comes out of a pastor or a teacher's mouth is from me. So I want you to practice discernment. So I'm in that car because I had about an hour and 15 minutes one way. <laughs> and I'm going, that was one, wasn't it? And he confirmed, yes, that's one. Ha! <sighs> so I learned how to listen, not to throw the whole thing out, but to listen and say, mm, no, that doesn't line up with the word of God. There, that's a good piece. Mm, that doesn't line up with the word. That's a good piece. Never condemning the speaker, never condemning the radio, never getting mad about it. Just understanding that God put that inside of us so that that unction would go, Oop, nope, I'm not swallowing that pill. Thank you very much. And then moving on. I find there are a lot of ministries and a lot of things on television that maybe 70% of it I totally agree with and the rest I don't. But I would miss that 70% if I turned it off just because of that 30. One of my taglines that if you've been with me at all, you've heard me say it. People are doing the best they can with what they have to work with. Tracy said it with me. It's not that they're out to get you. Their life just bumps into you. They're blinded. What happens when there's confusion out there and we walk in with the spirit of love? What happens? The confusion has to leave. Perfect love casts out all fear, which is also confusion. Believing a lie as if it were real, that's confusion. You say, do you have any idea what my home life is like? You're telling me to walk in with love? I'm telling you to walk in with the spirit of love on you. I'm not telling you to open up your heart and take everything right in. And a lot of times I tell people, build a Holy Spirit brick wall. You can act loving without opening up your heart to be wounded by the people around you. You can act loving And God will honor that. There are a lot of times, I mean, honey, I've been married, I think, 43 years. Is that right, Charles? I have to remember. He remembers more than I do. I apologize. Um, I was almost relieved when he sent me a text and said that he wasn't feeling quite well and he wasn't going to be in class today. It was like, oh, good, then I can tell all the stories. (laughs) Honey and I have had times, I mean, I'm strong, he's strong, where we don't agree. And we had to learn how to navigate together. Like Pastor Tiz always says, you may be soulmates, but you have to learn how to be roommates. It aggravated me in the beginning when I realized that God wanted me to keep my mouth shut about so many things. Because I knew if I could just talk, I could tell him what he was doing wrong. But I had to have what I call a faith issue, which is if I operate according to God's plan, God will take care of everything else. So the first thing he did was heal my marriage because I had a partner who wanted to be married to me and who was a Christian. So that put us in a good spot. (laughs) If you're married to somebody who doesn't want to be married to you and is not a believer, then you've got a different issue. But Honey and I worked at it, and we figured out a way. And I would pray, and Honey would kind of change. I was like, huh. And then God was saying, don't mention I told you so. (sighs) And don't mention, I'm glad you stopped doing that. So I had to stay on the straight and narrow. And then I realized, I bet this principle works in business, in ministry. So if anything happens that is kind of in the past ruffle, feather ruffles, (laughs) then I pull in, put the Holy Spirit around me, and I act in love. And I pray for that individual. And I promise you, I've not had a single one not turn out better than what I walked into.
But you can't do that unless you've got a generous heart where you're opening up your home to create a family. You can't do that if you've got evil words coming out. And the other thing that I'm using right now is, you know, is it true? Yes. Is it necessary? Well, I think so. Is it uplifting? No. Then don't say it. It's always that uplifting thing that just cancels it. But try that. Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it uplifting? And if you pass those three things, then you'll probably be okay. Now, why teach all this? Because you are the head goose. You know, when geese fly, (laughs) that one on the very front gets all the wind, and they go as long as they can, as hard as they can, and then they fall back. And they rest in, in the wake that the rest are doing, and then somebody else steps in as the head goose. Everyone that gets up at this hour on a Sunday morning and comes in faithfully to a class, you're a head goose. And that means that God wants to equip you, and he wants to cover you, and he wants to bless you, and he wants you to do what he wants done in this world. We are in chaotic times, so we need to understand these principles. We need to understand that in order for God to do and protect his children in the land of Goshen, we've got to establish Goshen. Now, what is Goshen? It's a spiritual protection. We're getting ready to go into Passover. They didn't have lice, and they didn't have frogs, and they didn't have darkness, and they didn't have death. There was, there was a lot that they didn't have that the Egyptians had put on them before the final one of passing over. So just remember, you're saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's okay. But if you want to be in that land of Goshen, and you want to be able to do everything that God hand-packed talents and skills in your life, then just try some of these. Watch your words, watch your thoughts, be generous, forgive quickly, cover yourself with the Holy Spirit as you walk through the world, and act in love. You don't have to open up your heart. That's not a requirement. The action is there. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everyone that came out this morning. And Lord, we we realize that First of all, thank you that you exposed Pastor Larry to biblical truths that we call our Jewish roots. Father, there are so many things that make our life so much sweeter if we will just study and then do what you have created for us to have happen. I thank you, Father, that everyone that's here this morning, you are covering with the blood of Jesus. Every hurt, every disappointment, Everything that has been stalled from a blessing from them, Heavenly Father, is now being released. Their hurts are being healed. Things that they are concerned about are being taken care of. You are with your Holy Spirit moving, always moving, always moving behind the scenes to take care of every issue that concerns them. Thank you, Father, that we are coming into a season where we will have communion as a family, where we will celebrate the Passover season, where we have the privilege of bringing a first fruit offering on the last Sunday of this month in April. Thank you for how you have blessed us and how you keep us. Thank you that we walk in divine health. Thank you that we have wisdom that surpasses all earthly understanding. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have grace. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you direct our steps and we have angels that guide us and direct us and protect us. And thank you, Father. Thank you most of all for the salvation that Jesus Christ paid a horrendous price for us to have. Let us never take it for granted. And all God's children said, amen.